Hey everybody, welcome to Growing With Fish's podcast, episode 202. Uh, we had a guest tonight, but uh, they were having quite the technical issues, that's why we're running late. So uh, we're going to reschedule them for the future, and then we'll surprise you. Yeah. So, um, we have uh, Roger from ILGM. How y'all doing tonight? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna throw it from we're gonna pull it out the seat of our pants tonight and see what we can do. Have a little fun and discuss whatever. Maybe we'll do another. Hey, maybe we'll just have some guys from chat ask us questions again for a while. You know? Yeah, that was a good time. And yeah. um, I'm Steve from Potent Ponics, and uh, this is the Growing the Fishes podcast. We do an educational podcast. Try to do it twice a week. Uh, sometimes it's once a week. Uh, every now and then uh, we can't do it so it is what it is <laughs> um so what have you been up to in your garden and, and your farm and what have you been up to uh this week well we um we've got a lot of things going on we're we're getting close to getting the greenhouse uh tied up and rebuilt and uh, like gonna be brand new here in a few weeks we're gonna have some videos to share with you guys um um Saturday, we're going to go out with our cedar box and our rice, and we're going to collect some IMO uh, one. We're going to go find our mycelium in my forest, and I've got a whole bunch of it back there. I can't wait to see if I can get the killer. You know, oh, I just can't wait to see that. And um, I was fortunate enough to be able to talk with, with, with our good friend, Chris Trump, the other day, and um, we're going to start our OHN, um, the, the distillates, and, 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 um, and work all that out to make uh, our organic or oriental herbal nutrients. Um, he was kind enough to let me know what exact weights he used of all the uh, ingredients in his uh, videos when he shows you how to do HGN. So thank you, Chris. You're a great guy. And what a great guy, everybody, I'm telling you. So that's what we're doing pretty much. We're just rebuilding. I've got, we got about a thousand plants going out, out front and I'm just trying to figure out how I'm gonna catch up so I can get them all in the system. So they're all growing and, and healthy. So that's what we're doing. We're, we're, but that's, that's what it's all about farming for me. It's you get started and then you have to try to keep up. So how about y'all, Steve? What's the weather like out there in Oklahoma? been really hot uh, we had a little bit of a half break and then it got warm again and then we had a uh a 0.4 difference in our uh, ph and it took me a minute to realize that so we fixed that right away on the tap water the well water decided to change the ph from about a month and a half ago uh, we've talked about that before on making sure that you uh, test your ph regularly on your water sources so make sure you test that at least once a month uh, you know once a week is even better how much did it vary? Well, no, no, just thankfully. So we 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 added we we top off our system. We actually did a uh, we're we're fill, filling up another uh, some of the rooms, and we pulled off quite a few gallons. We topped it back off, and uh, uh, before we uh, added a whole bunch, I checked the water, and uh, it was a good thing I did because the water had just changed. Um, we, it started to get drier here and hotter here, so uh, yeah. Anyways, we had a, a quite a large difference in the pH, so. Um, yeah, we had to uh, alter some of our normal uh, uh, dosing for a pH up. Uh, but again, just uh, an example of uh, why I need to pay attention to those types of things. And um, so that was something that I ran into today. And then other than that, just uh, keeping the clone train going, trying to make sure we have our 14,000 clones we need for the backyard, um, helping out some customers that needed to come get some clones. Uh, we got you know 
quite a few people coming to get clones now on a regular basis so that's pretty cool um, and then we have a flower room to finish resetting we're redoing all the beds remounting the beds and then um, uh, uh, re-gluing some of the beds together uh, and stuff stuff like that and just you know, a little bit of repairs and then uh, adding some additional fans and making the layout a little bit uh, a little bit more ergonomic for the workers and um, yeah I think it's going to work out a lot better and uh, I think we'll be able to, to get a couple of extra plants in there as well at the same time so um, and those are important and then uh, yeah I don't know uh, I'm trying to think what else other than that we've just been trying to, to get numbers ready for a whole bunch of different projects some other stuff in the works aside from the stuff going on here that I'll be talking about later in the year, hopefully. And um, working on a lot of the educational stuff in the evening, try to working on the book or the class uh, every you know 20 or 30 minutes a day, just to try and chip away at that. Um, I haven't been as efficient as that as I'd like. Uh, and then, uh, I don't know, it's kind of realizing how many people that come to buy clones need have different uh, pest management questions and it's been kind of interesting uh, uh, hearing different people's problems from kind of a shotgun blast of, of people from the from the area. So that's been a lot of fun. And then um, what else? Just doing a little bit of like uh, insect ecology, just looking around and trying to collect and then study some of the insects that are outside our greenhouse, uh, just to better understand what we might run into later. And then um, we've had some test plants out for quite a few months now, maybe about a month and a half. Uh, since right after I got here, uh, so just looking and seeing what what insects are attacking them, what you know, what what are we going to have to prepare for when we do the outdoor when we run to the, move over to the five acres? So it's a lot of the stuff that we're gonna gonna run into. Um, and other than that, we uh, switched our pest management system uh, over in the greenhouses uh, over to high temperature insects. So switching to Californicus. Um, uh, the um, Encarcia formosa, which is just white fly predator, or uh, you know, general prevention in the summer, and then as well as the um, assassin bugs. Assassin bugs are great uh, heat tolerant predators that will kill what quite a wide range of pests. Um, uh, other than we've also had quite a few mushrooms sprouting in the greenhouse. Uh, we switched to a mushroom compost. Uh, it's been really hard. Anyone knows if you're trying to get soil right now. Wow. to do anything so we have a, a, a soil blend that includes some mushroom compost so that's been pretty cool we're getting lots of different mushrooms popping up in the greenhouse now uh, so that's that's really fun and always really wonderful and magical to come in and you're doing your morning insect inspection and you look down and there's all like three or four little mushrooms in a, a cluster on the base of the plant it just kind of makes you feel like you're doing everything right you know um, and then uh, you know the occasional tree frog that we find in our on the outdoor plants that we're adjusting uh, is pretty cool as well uh you know kind of shows you that you're doing right with the the pest management you're not harming anything you're not supposed to you know so it's funny really, really we found a big toad the other day when we were working out here on our plants and we found my oh see i don't see so good but ryan he looked down and said look at the size of that toad yeah so yeah it's always nice to be in a nice culture you know where your 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 oh, ground yeah. and your everything's going great that's that's yeah, but, pretty neat we find the toads. They'll, we'll put the pots out on the ground, and they'll they'll burrow underneath the pots. And when we when you water them, the water gets underneath. So there's a nice little cool wet spot yeah. they can they can hang out in. And <laughs> regularly. It's all so, these things you never think about when you're growing, and all of a sudden you're like going, "Wow, we got frogs and toads and mushrooms popping up," and we're 
you never thought you'd be thinking of talking about that when you started growing oh yeah yeah and one thing uh uh, you know it's starting to get to be about that time july june july here in uh um uh what's it called um (laughs) uh june july here in uh oklahoma and um the uh uh septoria is going to start popping up here soon and septoria uh <laughs> is a very common disease in uh you know southern states uh, with large scale and, and outdoor cannabis plants it's a a fungal infection uh, i've saw it heavily heavily in oklahoma last year and many people first off didn't know what septoria was and then secondarily didn't know that they actually had an infection that's something i would highly recommend anyone in a southern state that's growing outdoors right now keep a hawk eye out for it um, now what it is is it's a um actually i have pictures what am i doing oh, hold on that'd be cool that'd be cool yeah, most southern states it's illegal, so not a lot of people are growing outdoors, except for a few outlaws here and there, you know, allegedly. Well, you know, I'm not one to judge. No, I mean either. I, mean, yeah, I wouldn't be here if I was a judge, you know. <laughs> you wouldn't be here if you were a judge. <laughs> uh, what was I pulling up? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, hold on. Yeah, I'm just a good old boy. You describe me as a good old boy from way back. Yeah. love everybody until you piss me off or screw me over but, yeah. that'll help everybody everybody no matter if i don't have nothing i'll still help you and i'm thinking more and more i just gotta make i i i tell you what i i'm just getting tired of hearing how about how cool y'all can do anything you want in oklahoma basically and i i just might have to revamp and think about this <laughs> it's like I should go to Oklahoma myself, sell clones. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to do this. How to find my, if not, I'll switch to my slide deck, but I could have swore I had some nice reference photos in this. Hey, could you do something tonight too? Would you mind? I mean, I know you don't like to, you know, put all that stuff out there all the time, but would you mind flashing your pictures of your, um, your, what do you call it? The, uh, so the thermal uh, heating and cooling system because i had somebody ask me about that and they thought it was really easy and i said it's not really easy you got to excavate and there's quite a bit of expensive pvc to buy and uh you know if you don't mind you know since we're I'm kind of- sure i pull up the right picture here okay all right so Uh, let me you guys so, have no idea for steve if you could look at steve's slide deck it's pretty cool man <laughs> a lot of cool shit in there i have i have horror pictures that none of you would ever want to see from <laughs> people that have called me with consulting problems okay here we go all right Can everyone see it, class? Ah. All right, so this is Septoria. And this is Septoria. So this is this is what it looks like. It's very so distinguishable. How it looks like these little white spots, yeah. like water damage, really early on. So this is 
this is slightly progressed. But they also look like they got a pronounced circle, like there's a different coloration at the end, at, outside of the circle, which makes it really easy to distinguish, it looks like. Yeah. That's awesome to share with people. Hell yeah, Steve. Fucking A. That's one for everybody that wants to teach anybody something. Oh, That's a good one. Yeah. Oh, didn't mean to turn the sharing off. My bad. Hold on. <laughs> oh. So here it is. This is early on, these little tiny white spots. And then it'll progress to this. And, and, and then you can see it starts to get necrotic and starts right. to get worse and starts to spread. This is a wind damage or grasshopper, ignore that. But, but you can see right. it, starts to, it starts to rot the centers out and then it becomes holes. And then it, it just gets worse and worse. And you can see that where it's got the white, where it's rotted away, and then there's like a reddish brown kind yep. of circle around it. So and this is from anaerobic soil, or from um, uh, you know really dead soil. You know, if you have soil that has nothing in it, um, you can also just get it in the wind, similar to PM. Uh, what you need to do is use a probiotic. So you need to hit it with a good lactobacillus foliar and um a root drench uh, uh you know make sure you and i'm not talking like what they tell you with canf like a thousand to one i'm talking like a 500 to one or 400 to one or even a 300 to one um uh dosage in order to actually treat this it's using as a treatment not as a maintenance dosage so when using it as a treatment you can get much more aggressive particularly with something like this that can completely wreck your plant um even so in KNF, they sometimes crystal tell you sometimes you can go to 500. One, oh, yeah. 500. So, so then to, to properly kill it off and to prevent it from coming back, what you want to do is hit it uh, hit it with a Bactillus subtilis, a Bactillus pamilus, maybe a cease and a sonata, or a, a powdered uh, blend uh, as a foliar and as a root drench. And then uh, um, do that on a, on a rotation. So rotate your labs, your pamilus, and your subtilis. Uh, every other day uh, for two weeks as a foliar and root trench, and then uh, come back and hit it with a, a good healthy dose of IMO uh, on top of that liquid IMO and give it two applications of that. And I've had no problem, you know, curing it as long as it wasn't too far progressed. Uh, if it was early on, as long as I did that treatment, it was no problem. It, 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 as long, and if it got too far along, they were totally effed. Once it gets fully systemic throughout the entire plant, it, you, you've lost the plant. That's really good that you explained the fact the whole the, the process through when it when you find it and whether it takes over the whole plant or not. Because sometimes, yeah, a lot of a lot of pet of diseases, um, it, it goes both ways. But the fact that you can save it when you get this, and because it looks uh, pretty bad, <laughs> the whole plant, right? So you can see. This is early on, but once it's gone for, you know, really early on in the, the full systemic phase where you can see it's now traveled completely up to the upper part of the plant. Wow. It's still not on the newest growth, but it's no longer just on the lower leaves anymore. But you'll find it on the newer, newer growth as it, as it, you know, it's out there because it'll transfer to it. Yeah. And these are, this is highly contagious as well. 
Um, you know, you need to be mindful of pruners, trimmers, glove, you know, people touching them and then touching other plants. All of those things can transmit it. Um, uh, it, it again, it's one you have to look out for. Wow. Um, that's excellent advice. Uh, the fact that, see, that's something else that's not with every disease that if you touch the plant and touch another plant, it doesn't always transfer. But in this case, uh, septoria transfers. It's, it's like any, it's like a bad virus. If you touch it, you're, you know, it'll, it'll, well, I'm, I'm just, you know, this saying. Is that, uh, I guess this was later identified as beet leaf curl virus from the leaf hoppers. Wow. Cool. I thought it was bean bean leaf curl. It was beet leaf curl. So I was wrong. <laughs> with that. I must have just misheard the person. Um, but it's beet leaf curl virus. Now, what causes that, Steve? This is leaf hoppers or white fly as a vector. Oh, okay. Because yeah, okay. Wow, that's messed up. Yep. So something to look out for. Again, this is stuff that this time of year, you're going to start to see it. Um, see what else is on here that I could show people to look out for this time. Actually, I got some early fusarium pics. Uh, that's a shitty one. Um, one second, I'll find it. Okay. So this would be something else to look out for this time of year. This is a good topic to cover. So this is a really early uh, fusarium. Oh. oh, I was going to say, wait, what? Okay. Oh, okay. I see it in the leaves. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just in here. Oh. It's a little bit here, a little bit of here, a little bit here. Just starting. Oh, I can't see it because of my eyes. Okay. Just starting. Oh, okay. oh that's better. Just starting to get it. And again, that's also caused by a lack of biodiversity in your soil and, and lack of proper microbials. Um, you know, if you actually do any amount of, of microbial dosing compost teas, your normal labs, particularly IMOs, uh, you, you simply just don't run into these problems. Or if you do, they're, they're you know, just a handful of plants and not the whole thing. Yeah, it goes back to if the plant's really healthy and you're doing the right thing and providing it everything it needs, and when you realize it needs something, then the plant will repel diseases and pests in a lot of cases. So that's about where you, you if something's happened and you're depleted in your nutrition. And so, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. We've never done this before. <laughs> Let's go and look at some pictures and start talking about stuff. Yeah. I have some nightmare pictures too. Uh, let me see what else I can find here. Here's another early Septoria picture. Actually, this is a good, really early picture. There you go. This is an earlier on picture. You can see just starting to get pinholes. 
But if you just glanced at this, what would you think? The first, your first reaction would be to go yell at the guy who waters everything. Right. right? You think it's water damage, water spot. Exactly. And then you yell at him or maybe even fire him. <laughs> and it progresses and kills your plant. And then you realize you fired this poor guy. And so then you make a phone call and beg him to come back. Actually, I mean, if we're just going to do a little show and tell, this is a pretty cool picture, too. This is the, the, Why not? Uh, the cherry Sue that I have. It has these cool leaf. <laughs> I have more seeds of these as well. I don't remember who gave me this at the uh, Regen that's Conference. Cool. That's a thin leaf there, man. Yeah, it's pretty cool, though. Yeah. Ooh. What other diseases I can find to show you guys that you need to keep an eye out for this time of year? Sure, I can find some more. Well, maybe you could pull up some pics of uh, pest damage that people might look for in the summer when the pests, when the bugs are going ape shit. You know? Um, I have like. There's some grasshopper eggs. There's some grasshopper eggs. If you're wondering what they look like. There's your grasshopper eggs. And you don't want them around, that's for sure. Nope. So what would you do with that, Steve, if you found that on your plant? Uh, the same thing we do with our ticks. We sacrifice them to the Lord of Light. <laughs> Check chat. Well, yeah, what's chat doing? I, I'm sure there's somebody talking about something. Yeah, we're on regular Thursday, the night the podcast originated on. So should be somebody out there. All right, let's see what the questions are in chat. Hey, Steve, can I use black iron oxide FE304 drain to waste aquaponic flower water? Drain to waste? I'm not black iron oxide i have not used black iron oxide i would imagine that that would not work for yeah so again oxide iron oxide i don't think would be remotely and again i haven't worked with it but oxides in general cause more all kinds of problems with your microbials they cause you problems with um affecting the chelation of other nutrients and their availability so we just we just avoid oxides i know there's a, a guy in aquaponics out there that recommends magnesium oxide uh, but also recommends chelated iron um, those two things cancel each other out so you don't want to do that um, <laughs> you just touched on the subject uh is there a lot of questions because i want to ask you a question on this subject if you don't mind go ahead explain chelation to everybody Chelation just holds the mineral. Just, well, that's a complication process. Okay, well, we'll do that go back, again. We'll, go back we'll to Robert, Dr. Faust's episode. I think he explains chelation really in depth on that. Yes, yes, um, okay. We had, a, we had another question from Chad. It says, Steve, you say that purslane is a good cover crop, even in raised beds where the roots cannot go down really deep. 
Uh, yeah, purslane's a good bioaccumulator. It also has a wide range of mycorrhizal fungi that'll associate with it. So aside from being uh, able to go incredibly deep, uh, and when you say the roots cannot grow down deep, why is it they cannot grow down deep? Is it because, oh, are you talking about like in an indoor grow? Or, because if you mean an indoor grow, then yes, but you're, you're solely getting the mycorrhizal benefit. So you could do grasses or something like that if you actually just wanted to. Instead, if you're not going to do it in an outdoor, in an indoor grow, uh, you don't really need to go with those deep penetrating ones, but you're still getting the benefit of the different mycorrhizal associations. Um, Steve, did you pop any of those CBD dominant cultivars you were stoked about, followed up? That strain, do you think, will perform outside in the summer in the hot, humid Oklahoma weather? Um, as far, um, I don't remember what CBD dominant cultivar seeds I was stoked about. Um, oh, uh, yeah, we the stuff I popped here. Yes, we did. Um, I haven't sexed them. As soon as I sex them, I'll show you those plants. Right now, they're about this big, and uh, they're bushy but we took clones off of them and we had a problem with the timer on the cloner. So I need to take new clones. So <laughs> if you really want to know what happened, um, but uh, that's okay. These things happen. Um, that's why I you know, particularly like cloners. I prefer domes over cloners. The power can go out, you know, you don't have an issue. I will tell you one thing though, uh, clone domes, if you keep them in the heat, man, they, they don't do too well. Um, I always like to run my cloners when I did aeroponic cloning and all. I made my own cloners. I always like to run them in the same kind of environment. I run my grow room, a nice, you know, medium temperature and try to keep the water cool. So if someone asks, what's the best time to use labs and flower? Uh, I would stop using labs after week three or four of flower. Week three and fast turning strains, week four of longer turning strains, unless and only unless you had a root um, fungal problem. If I had pythium or root rot or um, maybe septoria or something like that, I would apply it only to the roots. I would be cautious about applying it once those trichomes have, have formed. The acidity of the lactobacillus can cause problems as well as the, the labs themselves can get weird with the trichs. Um, you, you don't want to really put them on once those have started packing that trikes on. Um, labs, is, labs is really good, but again, you do not want to push it far into flower. It's, it, you know, it's all through veg. Right, right. Uh, here, here we, we use it all the time in the aquaponic system in order to prevent any kind of pythium or root rot issues, particularly with the water being a little bit warmer right now than we'd, we'd prefer um, until we get that cooling system installed. Um, it, how it's about it building a bacterial no. network up and then you know that's there and when you're in flower yeah exactly so they'll, they'll like you do it anymore they'll outcompete or consume the the root rot or pythium and, and uh, help prevent those those pathogens that you might get from warmer water systems uh, if you're doing lettuce uh, and, and you have aquaponics and you're running into those issues uh, I cannot stress how much dosing uh, labs. If you're running into heat problems and stuff like that, you can run it even at a 750 to one ratio. Uh, so for every 750, one gallon for every 750 to, to 1000 gallons. Uh, if you're doing a normal maintenance dose, one to 1000 is the dilution rate that I do for my system. So if we have uh, 18, well, right now we're only dosing about 10 gallons and 18,000 gallons, but um, 
you know, it works just fine. Uh, we're dosing that uh, twice a week, so it's, you know, it's kind of like you're keeping this run through a system where uh, it, it's originally meant for like more of a natural farming and soil. So when you're running a system with water, it's already in there. Yeah. So it's a little different than running it in soil as a, opposed to aquaponics, where you're going to get that, that bacterial network is going to continue to grow as long as it's flowing and flowing and recirculating. Where in soil, you would do it once a week or, you know, something like that, or, and then of course. All right. Sorry. I just, I just love, you know, when we got talking about this, I get thinking about it, you know, like, you know, my hydroponic background and all. And I think about the fact that it's there, always present in a flowing aquaponic system. So you can go lighter, like Steve said. Any so, more? Uh, okay. yeah, so, uh, we have another question from chat is what strains have I found grow best in Oklahoma? Are you talking about outdoor? Uh, I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and assume you mean outdoor. I found um, Durban poison, Malawi, Swazi gold uh, did really well. Um, the Afghans did really well. The Jamaicans did really well. Generally, anything equatorial, to be frank with you, did much better than the stuff that was more northern. Um, I found that uh, a lot of the stuff I grew from Canada, with the one exception being the G13 hash plant from Dragonfly, um, that Dragonfly Earth Medicine, um, shout out to Josh and Kelly. Woo! Uh, they're fucking awesome. Um, uh, uh, Aside from the uh, uh, that strain, everything else that was super northern, we we kind of didn't really like the heat and humidity, um, you know. But the all the equatorial stuff was really used to that, right? So uh, those really were the the better. I, granted, Durban and and Swazi are not really equatorial, but they're certainly more equatorial than than saying something from the northern half of the United States. So. Uh, those were the best strains. And then I'm trying to think what else did really well. Um, Chemdog, Bubba, Kush. That was the stuff that I think was just the, the heaviest yielders. But uh, Wow, Bubba, Kush, huh? Yeah. Because uh, you know, Kush region's kind of... Colorado, Colorado, the heaviest strain I did was yeah. um, Banner. But, well, what's the, what's the uh, elevation of uh, uh, we know our uh, Oklahoma is hot as shit. What's the elevation in comparison, you know, to the to other states and all? Since because when you're talking about something like Kush, you know, which was a mountainous, you know, strain, um, and then you say it does great in Oklahoma, you know. So I'm just curious. Um, I, I see you're looking it up, so you know. I was trying to find out where, where the elevation of yeah, where I'm just curious there. about where your elevation. So currently we're at we're at a little you know six hundred and change feet um, above sea level. Above sea level, yeah, six thirty. Oh well, that's up there then. That's pretty. So so, but that's nothing like Colorado. Would you know? And I'm sure yeah. other parts of Oklahoma are pushing two thousand feet. You know, as you go across the state. And there's probably uh, places in Arizona. I mean, well, Arizona is high, you know. I, I got the, it's got desert, flat desert. Oh yeah. You know, and but it's got mountains too, you know. So all right, well that's cool. So six hundred. Well, I, I, yeah. I think that if we're strictly if we're strictly talking about um, the uh, uh, potential as far as elevation, I think that you know Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, Wyoming. Uh, Montana, those are really going to be your your highest potential THC. If you had a greenhouse at you know nine thousand feet, 
the UV you're going to get from that, if you can keep it climate controlled, is going to be insane. Your your trichome production is going to be insane, you know. But uh, that would just kind of be a theoretical thing. Right, right. Good, good up. Yeah, good idea. Uh, let me see what else here. Um, generally, sativas seem to do pretty well here too, uh, although. Um, it can get pretty wet in the fall in Oklahoma, which is a, a kind of a problem. Because they're equatorial, but they take an ass load of time to grow. Yeah. I'm really curious to see what the flowering time is on the Zimbabwe stuff. <laughs> um, how should we use KNF for auto flowers? I feel like I'm overdoing it indoors and out. So can uh, on, on autos, um, I haven't really heard anyone. I can't think of anything aside from maybe IMO4 that you might want to dial back on because you don't want to go quite so heavy on the nitrogen with the autos. Uh, but, you know, I am a four or five, but other than that, you know, I don't really see how you'd really be do much of a difference as far as that goes. I think you'd be okay as long as you stuck to the normal rules of thumb. I know, you know, I, KNF is, is fairly universal minus, you know, dosing soil versus aquatics, which obviously is different, but. Well, I'd like to add that also that you don't need to water every time with labs or KN or FPJ or F, F, you know, FFJ or OHN or any of the inputs. They're meant, meant to be used like once a week and then you water them. They build a network. The whole idea of KNF is building a microbial and bacterial and fungi network in the soil. And then you don't have to give it something every time. You don't have to dose it every time. The idea is to get where you can just water it or it'll naturally soak up water, you know, uh, with rainfall and stuff like that. So keep that in mind. So you don't have to overdo it. You know, you just get your network going. And if your plants are healthy, look at your plants. You can tell if your plants are plush and green and looking and flourishing and growing, you don't have to add a whole lot of stuff. You can water them. Absolutely. I think I bet Breeder Steve made a big point about that last week when we had him on the show. About yeah. it. we all, in fact, that was so cool. With all the guys, like all these breeders, and they were going, "Just leave the plant alone." <laughs> you know, it'll tell you when it needs something. So that's the point I'm making. One second, I'm trying to find a couple of other pictures here. Uh... Oh, here's one if you're in Oklahoma, you should keep an eye out for because it sucks if you get bit by it. Oh, well, this is a good one to know, I'm sure. Yeah, anywhere in the southern United States, really. Do not get bit by these things. This is a wheel bug. They have a gnarly mohawk right here that goes down their spine. They have a beak here. If they bite you, you can have a welt for up to six months. They have a, a venom that is a uh, very uh, not fun, and they're huge. They're they're very large. This one's eating a spider, um, but they're they're quite large. But um, if you get bit by those, you will really. I mean, it it is, it is like six or eight bee stings. It sucks. What what do you call it again, Steve? I call it a wheel bug. A uh, wheel bug. Okay. They're one of the best garden allies you can have in your garden. But you don't want to get bit by them. Yep. <laughs> That's like me with hornets. I'm deadly allergic to hornets and, and bees. But, you know, when I'm walking through the greenhouse, they, they seem to leave me alone because I guess they understand I'm providing them food, you know. Yeah. 
But yeah, it's kind of funny. You got to deal with it. So, have the uh, um, this guy here. Uh, this is a uh, robber fly, I believe they're called. And you can see this is a full-grown grasshopper. This is like a three or four-inch grasshopper. This is huge oh, wow. grasshopper, and this thing is four or five inches. It is you know the size of a dragonfly, but it looks mm -hmm. like a normal fly. Um, these guys are awesome. Again, they can bite you, nasty bite. Generally, they they don't they'll fly around you, but they generally don't bite you. Um, but these guys again are super awesome garden ally. Just don't go messing with them if you don't feel like having a bad day. Wow, wow, that looks like a World War II fighter plane. Right, they're super <laughs> cool. And then let me uh, see what else I got on here from last year. I love those amazing pictures of a predator taking care of a pest. I love it, I love it, yeah. Lots of snakes. Uh, let's see here. Um, what other questions do people have in chat? We'll ask that here in a second. I'll be right back. Here's your tent worms. These are little bastards that, that make your tents. One of the two little worms that make tents in your grow. They'll oh, take your leaves and they'll, they'll, your leaves will go out like this. And then you'll notice all of a sudden your leaves are curled up into a little twisty curled up thing. Little tent worm. Little bastards. Does it resemble a bad pH issue? Because that also happens with bad pH. No, it looks like this. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. See how these are all crumpled together? Looks like someone glued them or tied oh, them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They make this silk webbing that ties oh, it all okay. together. Yeah. Oh, another one of those with the silk. These ones. Yeah. These ones again, you can treat with like trichogama. You can treat them with aureus. I found aureus, a combination of aureus and assassin bugs uh, for dealing with them with the heat did really, really, really well um, as far as just trying to keep them uh, uh, at bay. So. Let's see what else we got on here from going through some more pest management stuff. You got your leaf miners. No, this one's leaf miners on Septoria. You got a, a nice little combo. There's a leaf miner. And the Septoria spots on there as well as a bonus. Let's see what other show and tell picks we got on here. Find a few more here. Always fun to show people these. Uh, I should go back and see if I can find my. Where is this here? Uh, no, this was in 2008. I think it was. We'll find it. I want to show you some some aphid pictures of some bong aphids of a uh, bong aphid infection that's be beyond anything that you hopefully will ever see. I just got to remember when I took the pictures real quick. Let's get. Let me 
Let me answer a question in chat while I'm scanning here. Um, do I have a favorite two-spotted spider mite killer? Uh, Persimilis are really awesome for that. Um, if you're going to go right now, we're, we're going to switch towards uh, high temperature stuff. So we're actually going to release punctinium, which is a predatory ladybird, a very specific species oh, wow. of ladybug uh, that actually will attack not only spider mites, but also quite a wide range. It'll eat uh, aphids and quite a few other things, and but actually eats them unlike normal ladybugs. Um, but they actually do really well in real high temperatures. So um, that's uh, another one that we're, we're dealing with right now. Or not dealing with, but we're going to be releasing uh, as a uh, preventative. Sorry, I'm so tired. You can hear it in my voice, I'm sure. Um, how long do you have to establish your fish tanks before you turn the plants onto them? Um, you can put the fish tanks in. So generally, the best way to do is a fishless cycle, right? So you can dose with like ammonium sulfate, ideally, um, or, or some other ammonium, not ammonium chloride, because you'll, you'll if you dose high levels of ammonium chloride, first off, you're going to raise your pH, and second off, you're going to add a lot of chloride and raising your pH and raising your chloride, both will make it much harder for your microbes to grow. So you don't want to do that. You want to use ammonium sulfate or something like that. Um, Wouldn't too much chloride possibly kill the fish too? You know, and that's, uh, man, there's a whole topic. We get, remind me on the chloride in a minute. I just want to finish answering this question. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Sure. So, so the other thing you can do, you can always add a couple of sacrificial fish, you know, koi or, um, goldfish that, you know, B-grade koi or some goldfish just as a nitrogen generator. Or you can take a bag of, um, of um, cocktail shrimp and just dump that right in there, frozen cocktail shrimp, and dump it in there and let it rot. Um, the, the rotting uh, cocktail shrimp actually is a pretty good ammonium generator uh, if you want to do it in a net more natural or organic way. Um, and then again, seeding your microbes with uh, beneficial bacteria, recharge, mammoth pea, uh, grow more. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, a, a liquid IMO. I love to do IMO collections, uh, do liquid IM, to IMO2, and then make a, and, or even an IMO2 or IMO3, and then and turn either one into a liquid IMO, and then dose that directly into the aquaponic system, uh, mainly through the MBBR or uh, modified. Um, doser if you're going to do that if you have one of those if not just dose it directly into the sump uh it'll work just the same um yeah so what was the thing i asked you a uh, chloride. chloride so chloride there's a lot of misconceptions with chloride people think that you need to get rid of all of it people freak out people no. ludicrously overdose chloride neutralization products and they simply don't need to uh, in fact they're hurting the growth of their plants it's so, supposed to be there. Some chloride's supposed to be. Yeah. There. So plants actually will grow the best and fastest at a chloride level between 90 and 110. So uh, you do not want to have um, have that. Uh, you know, much more than that. So, um, uh, uh, well, so you're not really an issue until you're above 180, right? So. Uh, okay. But it's, okay. at, at 90 to 110, you have enough chloride in order to provide the adequate. Uh, flavonoid and terpene production. Uh, we actually found a significant difference in flavonoids in tomatoes as, uh, and when we did uh, and, and testing for flavor differences between um, uh, can, uh, uh, tomatoes and aquaponics and tomatoes in soil, 
uh, we found that it was often the, um, the, 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 it was mainly the chloride and the silica content that was responsible for the, the difference of that. As soon as we changed those levels, it seemed to make a, an enormous difference in the flavonoid and terpene production. So, um, you know, one, uh, it's, it's fairly similar in cannabis as well. So, so having that actually too low or overly neutralized can actually, you know, reduce the actual potential of your system if you're doing it in aquaponics or even in hydroponics. And it keeps your water clean. I mean, it's part, it helps to purify your water too. Well, not at those yep. doses. Well, well, okay. Well, it, I think if you, if it's low, then that way maybe what, because why you'd have a problem. If, if you reduce it too much, then your water might get a little cloudier. You know, that's just my opinion. Uh oh, you freeze up. Oh no, you just. Oh, uh, this is a. Oh, I'm just looking at our chat here. It says, um, can you perhaps share best practices for watering outdoor plants in large fabric pots? Um, drip coils is going to be your your best way to do that long term. You know, labor wise, uh, if you you can do hand labor, but it's a lot of labor and a lot of time for someone to stand in a hot field. It sucks. Um, really depends on how large your grow is. Well, you know, and the other thing too is it can be a great way to hire people during the the uh, the jobs crisis right now. Uh, support yep. your neighbor, uh, put them to work watering. You know, make sure you teach them how to work, how to water right, yeah. and yep. then because uh, that's an art form. But <laughs> <laughs> that's funny you say that. Dark. It is though. People, if you think do. You have to learn to balance. You have to learn how to balance. Think they can take someone that that doesn't know anything and put them on it, and it's actually a horrible, horrible thing to do. So, <laughs> yeah, the simplest things are sometimes the hardest things to learn. Absolutely. All right. Um, <laughs> what other, uh, any other questions from chat here? I'm going to keep, uh, see if I can find my uh, another picture I was trying to find for you guys. And the only thing I asked is if you did show some pictures of the geothermal. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've I'll cover oh maybe I might cover that in a different episode. See, I've seen it, so I pretty much know it. But I, I so somebody asked me about it, and I you know I said I'd try to get Steve to share it in a little bit. So you know. Oh yeah, no, I'll, I'll see if I can find it. Let me see if I can find this picture real quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, what else is going on? Any other questions that you've had on your ILGM or any other gross stuff you've seen lately coming up frequently? Um, geez, I don't know. Um, I think one of the biggest things I see is it's people setting up their systems is what really people need help on, and 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 people don't they go in. I think the, the one of the biggest things I've noticed with people, especially this time of year, and they want to grow. They really don't know how to get started. I've got some really good friends who got four acres and they wanted to grow. Then I started to advise them what they would have to do. To, like I said, look, you don't have to listen to me, but I got, I got, you know, I can show you how to set this up to succeed. And once you start telling them what they have to do to succeed, and and uh, how much it's going to cost, then they start, and they got the money too. That's a funny thing, but they they kind of go, oh my gosh, you know, like, um, 
you know, they, they their their land was stripped already. All the grass and everything was stripped down. It was almost like to a clay. No, there's nothing wrong with clay, you know. But I guess I didn't see it. But they said they got more topsoil than I thought they had. And uh, I was talking to them the other day, and they decided they're not going to grow this year because I said, well, you need to get started if you're going to grow the rest of this year. You could really have a great yield, especially by cheese. Just grow an acre, you know. Um, and and that's about it. That's that's the only thing I can think even of. Said, even if it was, uh, you know, just any amount of plants, just to get the experience, if they're unexperienced. Right. Well, they bought all these like pallet crates and stuff. They always they're really good at finding shit and scavenging and, and salvaging. So, <laughs> so, um, they they found these these things. They're going to make really nice grow boxes. I said, oh hell yeah, just make sure you go kind of put them end to end. So that we can establish a nice watering system, you know, whether mm -hmm. you grow aquaponics or whether you just want to water them and do, because I was leading them towards natural farming, actually, you know, because right now I, I, I would love to see them do, because they could build a really nice aquaponic thing. But for right now in June, May, well, it was May when we were talking about this beginning of May. And I just said that, hey, just make sure you build these little boxes you want them to do. And they were like 12, 16 inches deep. So it was kind of pretty cool. Then I I said, well, then you have to fill them. <laughs> and once they started seeing what it would cost to fill all the boxes, but you're right. Just put a few together. And uh, I just trying to keep people from using miracle grow, you know, uh, like, uh, like we're going to do a grow, raise beds and we're going to fill it with miracle grow or whatever. You know, that's, that's my biggest uh, trouble with teaching new people you know especially i mean people uh, the show know what they're fucking you know they got a clue if you ever want to see what a completely out of control bong aphid infection looks like this is what it looks like this is a, a, a <laughs> client i had uh, a couple years two or three years ago now and uh, uh i'll leave their state and location out of it but um <laughs> uh, <laughs> they were completely out of control they should have called me two three months before they had it uh, every single leaf wow that's bad oh my god that's eggs isn't it no these are live aphids oh live okay no that's how coated <laughs> that's the top even that's a blind man can see that <laughs> that's the top that's the bottom yeah even a blind man so this is what looks completely out of control when there's just absolutely nothing doing anything with their numbers um, I just wanted to show people that, uh, you know. Holy crap. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> I've never seen it that, I've never ever seen it that bad before. You know, wow. Well, most people ask and try to treat it when they see them, you know, because you got to pay attention. That's one of the biggest things about growing is paying attention every day. There's no days off when you start to grow. There's no days off. You have to well, go nurture and check your plants out every day you know that's that's where most people fail is they think oh yeah it looks great yeah blah blah so i water it and i walk in and out of the grow and i water it or whatever and i don't care and i and then the next thing you know they lose the whole damn crop because of something like that because they didn't pay attention yeah all right i'm starting to look and see if there's anything else relevant here on the pictures uh well, this would be one. This would be a uh, early powdery mildew. 
something else to look out for this time of year. You can see here the little spots just early forming. Just a couple of spots there. Again, if you have problems with your plants, take reference photos. Don't don't not take things of the because uh, sometimes you'll forget what something looks like and take pictures of it early on too. If you find it bad on one plant, it's just starting to spread to another one. Take pictures. You make a reference library for yourself, especially if you're to commercial grow. Make a reference library of everything that you've run into at your grow. Um, you know, and then at least your guys have a reference table to compare to. If they find something, you have a database of pictures to look at. Um, I, I, it's one of the things I highly suggest every time I work with different clients is, um, you know, building an internal database of, you know, I don't care. You don't have to share it with the public, but just show people what, 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 what they've had problems with. This was a girl I was with last year uh, uh, that I was doing some consulting for. And, uh, you know, they didn't have enough airflow in one of their auto flower sheds. And uh, you can see the results. I want to point something out before you change this picture. For those of you that wonder what the dual root zone is or what it looks like, there it is right there. There's a big pot. There's a soil inside the pot, the top part. There's the bottom ebb and flow table filled with hydrogen that's constantly flowing with fish poop. And uh, I'm just going to try to make it easy. And then there's the top with the soil that above the water line. And that allows you to supplement or amend that soil to give the plant nutrient, nutrition, and, and um, whatever it needs that doesn't kill the fish. Great picture right there. I mean, when somebody, because so many times we describe it and there it is. That was the best picture I've ever seen about there. So easy to show you. That's what the dual root zone should look like. Oh, oh dual root zone, yeah. Well, I'll find more. Uh... Well, no, that was a great, that was a great, that was a great picture right there for them to kind of understand because everybody's always going well you know exactly but there it is you bury the bucket into the ebb and oh, table filled with hydrogen and you know expanded clay or whatever. Of, uh... it's this a beautiful is what it, this is what dual root zone does in media beds gets the thicker chunkier roots and i'll show you a picture of it in uh in, and in you can see the line of demarcation Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm trying to help them. Yeah. But you can see where it was holding up the pot and you can see the line of demarcation where the roots were in the ebb and flow part of the, the aquaculture or aquaponics system. And then oh. the top was, uh, yeah. Here's something else too. Here's a male on the right and a female on the left. Can you tell the difference in growth pattern? <laughs> Pretty obvious. Well, poly bags. You got poly bags. Hell yeah. That's that's what yeah, I'm well, doing. when you do resale, those poly bags are a hell of a lot cheaper than selling people hard plastic. Ones. Oh yeah, man. 33 cents a piece. Yeah. Well, you gotta buy a case. Hmm. That's There's what I grew in, everybody. That's what I when I did hydroponics, that's exactly what I grew in. Those bags just fill them with perlite and bam. And I still think we're working on uh, adapting the hydroponic greenhouse to an aquaponics greenhouse. And I can't wait to play with that. I just can't. Well, we're so excited. That's, uh, I think that's all the reference photos we're going to do for today. I'll, I'll, I'll make a slide deck or something for next well, time. That was awesome, Steve. That's, I mean, you know, just, I guess, 
you brought up a couple pictures and that turned out to make the show right there. Just, you know, we covered, we call we covered, uh, uh, uh micro like microbial and bacteria and and fucking pests you know and what it looks like and i'm i bet you a lot of people will benefit from this show tonight because there was a great reference point to looking out for what you need to how what what you'll see and you know and how you address it so it takes a couple minutes for him to comprehend because he's so tired so, you know. No, I'm just trying to make sure there's no <laughs> questions that, that, uh, This is like we do when we're just talking to each other after the show a lot of times. This is what we do. <laughs> I'm just really tired and working hard. Um, uh, all right. Let me see you here. Starting to keep for 700-gallon fish pond I made in my yard? No. Okay. Um trying to see if there's any other questions here sorry for the, the crappy audio if you're listening to this in the audio version <laughs> your audio sounds fine to me it doesn't sound bad steve i'm getting it nice and clear so uh i feel like i grow stone age after seeing how this growth style works my poor plants are only half of uh of what they could be in dirt um <laughs> that's not bud porn that's horror show <laughs> <laughs> oh, about the aphids yeah dude you guys have no idea like uh, how many insect pictures i have were <laughs> like doing consulting and i'm sure like me i know i've definitely joked it with rasta jeff and a couple of other people and like like we'll like we'll we'll definitely text each other pictures we'll be like yo i'm at this grow and like look at this shit <laughs> like we won't you know maybe we, you know we won't tell them where we're at but we'll be like yo like i'm doing this consulting job and this is crazy like I remember I went to this grow in San Diego, 151 Farms, and um, they had over 16 different species of insects growing on and, and like eight different species of mites. Wow. And it was quite oh insane. That's not funny, actually. Oh, you know, some people, they, they, they collect an entire zoo worth of insects. Um, what a place would be to experiment, though, right? You get a real good benchmark. <laughs> um, Oh, yeah. We got to get Dr. Suzanne on the show, man. We got to get Dr. Suzanne on the show. No, you know, you know, I've been really jamming on lately, and he he was on um, a Future Cannabis Project uh, recently, and had some really cool stuff he was talking about. Is Zenthanol? I'd love to get Zenthanol back on the show to talk about some of the latest and cool stuff. He just did a recently did a series on the evolutionary history of cannabis and its pathogens. It's um, it's about three hours long. It is very long, uh, but is uh, I just put it on while I was working on the plants in the grow, and uh, it was incredibly interesting to help you understand why it is that certain insects are incredibly hard to get rid of, and pathogens, are, and then other ones are are, are, are much easier because they're more recently evolved to, to the plant, whereas other ones are are much less so. So, um, it's quite an interesting lesson and something that I would highly highly suggest listening to. Um, yeah, uh, that's, you know, and that's something else I think we're going to do. I've been talking to a couple of the other guys, um, uh, that also do their own shows. I think maybe on an upcoming Sunday, maybe at like noon Pacific after, uh, uh, hash church normally wraps up. Um, I'd love to do a collaborative show with a whole bunch of the different podcasters. So get the podcast, get DGC, get, 
uh, grow from your heart, get embracing organics, just get all the different guys. Cause I don't think anyone else has that time slot, uh, and, and do just like a quick one to two hour show on just, Hey, here's all the different cool people in the community that have really cool, interesting things. And, 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 uh, and, and just do a show strictly around supporting each other and supporting other people that put out, uh, information and, uh, so that a lot of people can find, uh, more things and, you know, a broader, uh, uh, scope rather than just um, uh, aquaponic stuff if they don't want to. Although we've really kind of diversified significantly away, away from. Well, you got that yeah. fellow that was on from Michigan, what the Grow Bro Grow Show? Yep. Something like that. Him, a yep. really great guy. I mean, that was Michigan fun. Grows Bros Grove Show. I don't yeah. know. That's a tongue twister. Let's do a, an episode with them soon. So that'll be exciting. We'll, we'll definitely have some fun with that. Yeah, this is something that Steve had kicked around for the 200th anniversary show. And then, yeah, but uh, we we have uh, oh we have some other really cool guests in the queue. Uh, I'm just waiting to find back uh, when they can come on the show. Someone <laughs> I've been really really wanting on the show, and it's someone uh, if I've been really wanting them on the show and trying to get them on, there there there's three people left that are on my list, and it's one of them. Uh, and uh, yeah, it'll be dope. So. But we're not going to tell you who they are. No. There's still one particular person who hasn't responded, but everyone else that oh, we've written. Man. If, if, if they come on, y'all are going to be blown the fuck away. That's all I got to say. But so, I know who it is. I know who they are. And, uh, you know, I tell you what, it will be phenomenal if those <laughs> any one of those three come on this show. <laughs> yeah it could be cooler i mean it's like okay Anyways, i'm pretty, I'm pretty happy that. tonight because i've just got to talk to <laughs> so would a short mail be a good thing to look for um it's not so much that short mails are good um I generally again you want the good node spacing the same as you want for a female um, you can have a taller male that's good with really nice flower structure or particularly interesting terpene profile, but in general, so, uh, and we've had quite a few different breeders uh, uh, mention the same stuff, but generally taking your fastest to flower males generally aren't the best. Um, and then taking your, um, you know, ultra slow ones generally aren't the best. Uh, kind of those, those middle of the road uh, stuff are, are tend to be the best ones. And um, another and thing, Another thing that our breeders have mentioned a lot is that you rub the stems with your fingers and you'll be able to smell oh, yeah. and you'll be able to get, then you look for what you're looking for. I mean, you'll know when you find it that that's oh, yeah. what you want, you know. Oh, yeah. Alrighty. I'm slowly falling asleep, so we will wrap the show up. Um, he actually did last year, so a couple years ago, he fell asleep one night. There was one episode where I actually legit fell asleep, yeah. But we made it through, and, you know, we always go, hey, Steve, this was awesome. This was fun tonight, you know. Oh, yeah. Flying by the seat of our pants. Always, good, uh, always good, uh, good times hanging out with the with the grow guys and the, the supporters of the show. and uh, Sharing knowledge and making it, giving people a chance to grow great plants. Oh, yeah. So um, if you're interested and you need nutrients for aquaponics, be sure to your aquaponics system or your other systems, uh, check out True Aquaponics at trueaquaponics.com. If you need uh, someone to help you with your nutrients, we have a subscription service as well. We can do your, uh, your testing uh, and all that. And then, um, uh, and send you your nutrients in a ready, easy, easy to dose package. Sorry, I'm really tired. 
Uh, <laughs> um, other than that, I'm Steve from Potent Ponics. Uh, this has been the Growing with Fishes podcast. You can find me at SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, iHeartRadio, and all the different places, uh, or in the video format on YouTube. Uh, and uh, Roger? You can find me at ilovegrownmarijuana.com, uh, Latewood at ilovegrownmarijuana.com, and I've got a new network. My Well, I've actually reinstalled my old network that got hacked a few years ago, and it took me two years to get the database, and we're getting it back up and around, so i got a bunch of great um, domains and, and, and places with grow knowledge and such. So I'll be announcing that shortly. Uh, but yes, great. Everything's great. We're growing a lot of plants. I'm so happy. So thank you, Steve, for having me again. You know, and Thanks, everyone, for watching. If you're listening to this, be sure to hit that like and subscribe button and support the show. Love. Catch you guys again on Tuesday. Cheers. <laughs>